Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right. Well, the Christmas spirit number three is today. This series has been so fun so far, has it? I mean, usually I, I would say the past two or three years we went sort of reverent. I went sort of reverence with Christmas and really digging into the whys and and all of that. But this year, I just, we all needed a little Christmas spirit, right? The fun side of it. And so I've been really enjoying this. Pastor Jay did a great job last week of of talking about joy. Thank you. (laughs) He used Elf as a great example of you know, the difference between Christmas cheer and Jesus joy. And there really is such a big difference. The week before we talked about generosity, right? How Christian generosity, Jesus generosity goes above and beyond the bare minimum. We can't just get stuck in the bare minimum. Uh, Well, this week I have to say is the week that I have been especially looking forward to this entire series. I I knew I was going to do my favorite Christmas movie at some point. Uh, and I have been, I've been looking, honestly, it's one of my favorite movies, period, of all time, not just Christmas movies. Sometimes I just watch it in July because I like it. Uh, and that movie is The Grinch. Some of you guessed this. I think Fred guessed this online this week. Uh, the Grinch, but not just any Grinch. There's a few of them, right? This specific Jim Carrey version, The Grinch. It's so good. I love him in it. I think he's genius. He's the most Jim Carrey of all his movies in that movie as The Grinch. I love it so much. Uh, and so I was really looking forward to digging into what would Jesus say to The Grinch, right? What would Jesus say to the the who's, the the whole world that they've built inside a snowflake? What would Jesus say? And honestly, as I I got to thinking about it, I don't think the Grinch is too unlike any of us. And we like to villainize him, right? He's, He's green and grumpy, and he sits up on a mountain all by himself in a trash heap, Right? He's easy to villainize, but uh, honestly, I don't know that he's all that bad. I mean, I'm really looking at it this week, and I thought, he's right, though. He's right about a lot of things. Yes, he's easy to hate, and he does hate the Who's. He, he terrorizes them. He does mean things. Absolutely. He's definitely not perfect. That's not what I'm saying. But he's also not completely wrong. The Grinch sees through the Who's in a way that nobody else but Cindy Lou Who does. Right? He he's sick of people just going through the motions, pretending to love each other, but it's not about that at all. Christmas isn't about that for the Who's at all. It's about competition and consumerism and me, me, me. The Grinch sees that, right? He's withdrawn from his community up to Mount Crumpet, not because he actually hates the people as individuals, although he says he does quite clearly, but because he hates the idea that those people aren't genuine with their Christmas love. He sees the hypocrisy of it all, the the idea that people would give presents without actually being generous people. 
and think that that somehow qualifies them to be generous people, that, that they would decorate their exteriors and make everything over the top and, and celebratory, and, and they would act kind, but not actually be kind to someone who's a little bit different like him. That's exactly what the Who's did. And uh, I don't, does it sound like anyone else to you? Because I resonated a little bit more than I would like to admit. I can see us in that description of the Who's. And it sounds like what the world thinks of us as Christians. Right, that we say we love people, but only these specific people that look and sound like us. Right, we we say we're generous and kind, but when someone asks for help, we just judge them and and gossip about them and throw a verse at them. We don't actually help. We we say we have the joy of the Lord, but we actually we don't know how to let loose and and have fun and enjoy the life that God has given us for fear of other people like us judging us. Sounds a whole lot like us. The the mayor of Whoville even quotes the book of Who as if it's the Bible. I mean, I can't believe the amount of times that I've seen this movie, and I can't believe I never saw the parallels, actually, to modern-day Christianity and this American Christmas thing we have going on. The mayor of Whoville quotes the book of Who and, and makes up verses to fit his point which is to exclude the Grinch, to keep him out of it, so as to have the perfect Christmas. I wonder why the Grinch hates him. (laughs) There is one thing the Grinch does do wrong. And he has some things right, sure. He's right with some of his opinions about the Who's. But there's one thing he does wrong, and that's what I want to focus on in part today because I think it's the most relevant to our current situation. The Grinch gives up on his community. He gives up on them. He leaves, he runs away, he isolates himself. Instead of trying to help or change model behavior he wants to see, be the change he wants to see in his world, the Grinch gives up. He moves himself up to Mount Crumpet. He isolates himself and figures that isolation is better than living with the judgment and the pain and the hypocrisy. Let's just watch a little clip of his isolation. I'll tell you, Max, I don't know why I ever leave this place. I've got all the company I need right here. Hello! Hello! How are you? How are you? I asked you first. I asked you first. Oh, that's really mature, saying exactly what I can. I'm an idiot! You're an idiot! All right, fine. I'm not talking to you anymore. I'm going to whisper so that by the time my voice reverberates off the walls and gets back to me, I won't be able to hear it. You're an idiot! Now, for those who's inviting me down there, 
on such short notice. Even if I wanted to go, my schedule wouldn't allow it. Four o'clock, wallow in self-pity. Four-thirty, stare into the abyss. Five o'clock, solve world hunger. Tell no one. Five-thirty, jazzercise. Six-thirty, dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. Seven o'clock, wrestle with myself. Loathing. I'm booked. Of course, if I want the loathing to nine, I could still be done in time to lay in bed, stare at the ceiling, and slip slowly into madness. But what would I wear? He's genius. How, how can you love any other Christmas movie more than that? Right there. Those are some of my favorite parts. But it does illustrate my point. Right? He is isolated. He's alone. He spends all of his time hating people. It's a recipe for insanity. It, it, not all hope is lost, though, for the Grinch or for the Who's. The Who's haven't completely lost their ability to see the true reason for Christmas. They just need a little help seeing it. Today, I think we need just a little bit of help, too. Listen, we're living in a season where it's really hard to see the value of community if it has to be this way. Right? It's tougher than it's ever been. Like, we all want to come back to church and be in the room and see the faces and feel the emotions. I mean, community that way is prepackaged for us. It's, it's been built on a platter and handed to us. Right? We've trained people to say hello and trained people to have meaningful conversations and we've trained people to take care of the kids and, and so you can focus and, and it's all pre-packaged on a platter social interaction for you. Like that's what church is. It's perfect human connection. So easy. We're actually begging for you to take it, right? Even telling us to shake hands at the right time and taking all the distractions out of the room so we can focus on others and and then literally handing out positions to serve one another. It's all been done for us. It's so easy to have that human interaction, to get that fulfillment from each other. I mean, isn't that what church is? But now, this year, a lot of that has been taken. We feel like something has been stolen from us, something that we're entitled to. And now we have to figure out our own community, how to build that for ourselves, how to be a community to people around us without it being handed to us. And can I just be a little honest, a little more direct than I usually like to be? We're failing. We're failing. As a people, I think we've gotten way too used to the easy way. We like our consumer Christianity. We like things handed to us. And I, I, maybe we didn't see it before. It was, it was easy to not see before that it's all been handed to us, but we got a little lazy in that. Sitting back on our big comfy couch of easy Christianity. We've gotten a little lazy. We don't have to work for it. We just, we show up at church. It's all handed to us. We can be a cog in the wheel and go on about our day feeling fulfilled. Like we've done our duty of loving. 
each other every Sunday morning. We're going through the motions. Not all of us. Don't get me wrong. Some of us were were genuinely showing up and genuinely loving each other. But I think a lot of us, we slipped into going through the motions. It wasn't genuine anymore. And, and just like the who's, when push comes to shove, we, we, when we lose things and the systems that made us feel good and righteous, we fell apart. And we think it's all lost. But the beauty of this world that God created is that he makes good things come from bad. Right? That not all bad things are actually bad things. That loss can actually wake us up a little bit to our true purposes, to the true things that God has put deep down in our, our souls. Loss shifts our perspectives, tends to put things in the right place again in our minds. This year, we lost a lot. We've lost a lot of things. Not even to mention the, the, the people that aren't with us anymore, which is the biggest loss, but also our, our schedules, our routines, our events, our holidays, our, our social interaction outlets, our friendships. We've lost a thing or two this year. And it's okay to acknowledge that, to mourn that. In fact, it's probably healthy. But there is also something that COVID can't take from us. The enemy can't take from us. And just like the Grinch couldn't take it from the Who's. Something that cannot be taken from us. And I want to read Hebrews 10 today. I'm actually going to read it in the Passion Translation, which is not a translation I usually use. But as I was studying it this week, it really helped me see it in a whole new way. Hebrews 10, verse 1. The old system of living under the law presented us with only a faint shadow, a crude outline of the reality of the wonderful blessings to come. Even with its steady stream of sacrifices offered year after year, there still was nothing that could make our hearts perfect before God. For if an animal sacrifices, for if animal sacrifices could once and for all eliminate sin, they would have ceased to be offered and the worshipers would have clean consciences. Instead, once was not enough. So by the repetitive sacrifices year after year, the worshipers were continually reminded of their sins with their hearts still impure. For what power does the blood of bulls and goats have to remove sin's guilt? But then, when Jesus, the Messiah, came into the world, and I don't even have to finish that verse, then Jesus, the Messiah, came into the world, and he changed all that. Right? Verses 1 through 4 talk about the routines, the hoops, we had to jump through before to be right before God. This is Old Testament religion meant to help us see that we're not perfect, that we don't have it all figured out, that we have to rely on God. This is what the law, the law is actually good for something, right? That, that, that was its purpose to help us see our need for God. But then Jesus came. Since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you have clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. 
Then Jesus came, and we know what he did and said. He laid down his life for us. He made himself the perfect sacrifice to cover all other sacrifices, that, that we wouldn't have to be continually reminded of our sin, that we wouldn't have to jump through the hoops of religion and go through the motions, but he paid the price forever, forever, and willingly. That's what the next few verses say. Because we are all now brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And we're going to skip down to verse 21 in Hebrews 10 today. And since we now have Jesus, the magnificent king priest, to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity. And we have been freed from an accusing conscience. And now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God, inside and out. So now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together, as some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. So many nuggets in here. I feel like I could preach on this all year. But listen, some some have taken these words this year to mean that church should never be closed. We should never meet online. We should never uh, neglect social interactions. That we should never stop meeting together weekly in a church building on Sundays. I don't think that's exactly quite what this verse means, quite that literally anyway. It says, discover creative ways to encourage each other. Discover creative ways to encourage each other. I I know a lot of Christians who have come to a church building week in and week out every Sunday for the last 15 years, but I've never done one creative thing to encourage somebody else. Is that fulfilling the scripture? Is that what that means? Is it it just showing up in a building and checking a box? Is it going through the motions, putting yourself back into the Old Testament law that the beginning of this passage talked about? Not meeting together does make it harder. Not meeting together in this building does make it tougher to minister to others, but not impossible. Not impossible. And since when was this Christian life promised to be easy? It's easy to run away to Mount Crumpet right now, to isolate yourself. In fact, you can pat yourself on the back for doing it. It's never been easier, and us introverts are in our glory some days. Right? You can now order groceries to come to your house, and, and, and app ordering, and Amazon packages. It all comes right to you. It's easy to isolate yourself, but it's not healthy. We need each other. It doesn't have to be face-to-face. It doesn't have to be in person. It doesn't have to be within six feet. (laughs) 
Isolation is not just physical. Physical isolation, though, tends to make social, emotional, and spiritual isolation much easier. We have to work harder now than ever. It's not impossible. It's just tougher. Look, I, I have personally dealt with anxiety and depression and anger this year like never before. And I know so many people who are saying the same right now. Those feelings tend to trick you into thinking that you don't want to reach out. It's not something you actually want. I want to sit in my misery and I want to sit in my isolation and I want to feel all these feelings. I get it deeply. I'm one of those that tends to pull away when I'm feeling low. I withdraw. I'm not myself. I retreat into myself, right? I I totally get that. And it's okay not to be okay for a while. But you can't stay there. Determine yourself to not stay there. I don't have to be okay today, but I am not going to stay here. I will come out of this. You know, It really means a lot to me that Jesus withdrew sometimes too. We see him throughout his ministry, little verses just here and there. You could easily miss them, but it says Jesus withdrew to the wilderness or or, Jesus slipped out in the morning or Jesus went up the mountain. He sent the disciples ahead. He went up the mountain to be alone, right? The night before he was arrested and went through the worst time of his life, he withdrew to a garden. But he didn't only withdraw. Almost every one of those verses says he withdrew to pray. He withdrew from people, but he didn't withdraw from his father. In fact, he leaned in to his father. He heard from his father. He spoke to his father. He had conversations with God. Isolation wasn't permanent. And it wasn't from everyone and everything. He was intentional with it. He used it to have a conversation with his father, to get his perspectives and opinions and mindsets from the source. Jesus withdrew to pray. And he didn't go to God to set his own agendas, to tell God everything he needed that day. He went to God to get God's agenda for him. We can see this model. We don't always get a window into Jesus' conversations with his father, but we do at the very end. We get to hear what Jesus was saying to God. And yes, he was asking to be led out. He said, let this cup, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to have to go through the cross, but he chose to because God asked him to. He was in total and complete submission while still expressing what he wanted to God. It's a tough place to get to. But it's what we're called to as Christians. The cross was the most creative way to redeem us that anyone has ever thought of. The most creative way God reached out to us first. Nobody expected the cross. Not one of those Pharisees who knew every prophecy inside and out expected Jesus when he was actually here. And definitely they didn't expect him to die on a Roman torture device and be raised from the dead three days later. 
We're not expecting that. God is so creative in how he reaches out. Of course, we're meant to be creative in reaching out to each other, too. You heard Jason mention earlier, there were so many families in quarantine this week, still in quarantine, and some of them struggling through sickness right now. Trying to figure out how they're going to get groceries for their kids this week and, and function this week. People in the hospital right now struggling, begging us for prayer. Yesterday, I texted with five nurses, I think, working in Gettysburg and New York hospitals, all asking for prayer and support and help. We can be more creative than ever in this season. Not all of our ways of reaching out and helping one another is shut down. In fact, they need us more than ever. Last year's ways of ministering to each other might not be happening, sure. It's our job to discover creative ways. Let's get creative. Let's work harder at it than we did before. I mean, and the church has always been so good at this and simultaneously so bad at this. <laughs> right? The, the over and over and over throughout the centuries since Jesus came, some people within the church innovate and, and move forward and invent new ways of reaching people, and some are left behind. Dying denominations or ways of doing things, some people got stuck. We're meant to invent, create, be creative like God made us to, to be innovative in whatever world we find ourselves in. Not be of the same stuff as the world, but be in it. In the world, not of it, right? We're meant to go out and create. Not just pretend to love others, but actually love them. Actually love them. It's never actually been about what goes on in these walls. In the church. What goes on in these walls is meant to fuel you and fill you up for what's going on out there. Reaching the world for Jesus through love, acts of compassion and generosity. That's true community. It's not necessarily our place to complain about the situation we find ourselves in right now. I don't see that working out for many of the Bible characters throughout the word. Job complained. God, why? Why, God, why? I have done everything you wanted me to do. I've been a good man. Why would you do this to me? God's long and intricate and miraculous and poetic response was, it's not your place to ask that, Job. It's not your place. I am the God of the universe. You cannot possibly fathom everything that goes on in my mind. It's not your place. And at the end of it, Job didn't get any other answer. And he said, you know what? You're, you're, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm going to not complain anymore. You tell me what you need from me. Complaining doesn't work all that well. It's not our place to complain about the situation we find ourselves in. It's our place to help, to love people. 
to build community, even when it's hard to not just pretend to love others, but actually love them. We're not neglecting meeting together. We're choosing not to out of love to try to help our community heal itself and love each other. This is not a time to pull away. Direct quote from this passage. This is not a time to pull away because we need each other. Now, maybe more than ever. We don't want to become Grinches, angry and withdrawn and, and isolated, but we also don't want to become the hypocritical who's. That's what I love about the story. They're deep, complex characters. Nobody's completely right and nobody's completely wrong. The, the hypocritical who's were competitive consumers focused on the what. They had, maybe had the what part right, but not the why. The Grinch had the why part right and not the what. <laughs> it's easy to pull away right now. Zoom is way harder than face-to-face, and Zoom fatigue is a real thing. It is. Picking up the phone is is harder than happening to see someone out and about. It's harder than, than texting. Doing something for someone outside your home right now is tougher than it's ever been, but maybe you need it just as much as they do. We may need physical isolation right now to protect people, but we don't need to be socially, spiritually, and emotionally isolated. We can be more connected and in tune with each other than ever. Last week, for my women's group, I was really thinking this through. I had just come through another particularly low emotional season, and I Honestly, I was just thinking, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to be that person anymore. God, help me. Help me. How, how can I be intentional so that doesn't happen again? And how can I teach others to do the same? And God gave me a very practical tool to help with this. Well, I'm a very practical person. I'm a checklist person. I like to write things down and check them off. To me, being intentional is is goal setting and writing things down and attacking it little by little, piece by piece. So God gave me a checklist. A checklist to stay sane in this time. A checklist to stay intentional, to not give up meeting together, to not pull away. A checklist to remind me that I need people just as much as they need me. A checklist to keep me motivated. And I have literally titled it the sanity checklist. Keep myself on track, intentional, plugged in with others. And it's just as much for me as it is for other people. The Grinch had his insanity checklist. You <laughs> you saw earlier, right? Wrestle with self-loathing, dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. That's the insanity checklist. Here is the sanity checklist. And I have challenged my women's group two weeks ago. We have been going through this already. It's been helping us so much. And today I'm challenging you. Four things to do every day throughout this month to help us stay on top of the waves and not under them. Right? Number one, do something for God. Do something 
forgot. And this one is because we acknowledge that we aren't in control, but we know who is. Right? This isn't necessarily, uh, I know it says do something for God, but it, it could also be do something with God. Right? Getting in tune with him once a day, having some quiet time, listening, reading Bible verses, reading along in our church Bible plan and commenting so other people can see. It's, it's getting together with God on the same page as him. Psalm 63, 4 and 5 says, Daily I will worship you passionately and with all my heart. My arms will wave to you like banners of praise. I overflow with praise when I come before you, for the anointing of your presence satisfies me like nothing else. Satisfies me like nothing else. You are such a rich banquet of pleasure to my soul. Do something for God. Every single day, just like Jesus, withdraw into his presence. Don't neglect meeting with God right now. Read the Bible, make a, a prayer list, listen to a podcast or a YouTube sermon. Worship God alone with some um, music to go along. I mean, sing your heart out to him. Spend time listening in silence. Do what you have to do to get time with God. Do something for God daily. Number two, do something for you. Do something for you. Because we also acknowledge that it's okay to feel low, but you can't stay there. Don't stay there. Determine yourself to not stay there. Instruct your soul. Put on joy, the word says. Be intentional about it. Morning happens through the night, but joy comes in the morning. You can choose to put on joy. And that's really what this one is to remind ourselves of. Proverbs 17, 22 says, a joyful heart is good medicine. Some versions say laughter is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. It can be easy to neglect ourselves in this season. But fun feeds the soul. Laughter feeds the soul. It can be as simple as playing a game online with friends or um, turning on a comedy special that was guaranteed to make you laugh. Right? It can be learning about yourself, your, your personality, your needs, your wants, your desires. Um, you know, trying a personality test or just trying something new. Order from a restaurant you've never had before. Try out some kind of new recipe you've never tried before. Learn about yourself. Do something for yourself. When I was going through particularly low seasons, and in fact, this was common when Aaron and I were walking through his health issues last year, and I just I felt overwhelmed and stressed and a little low, I would commonly in the grocery store just buy myself a little pack of flowers, fresh flowers, <laughs> just for me because I wanted them on my counter, right to look at. Nobody had to do that for me. I instructed my soul. And every time I looked at those on my counter, I felt joyful, happy, like I had done something for myself that made me happy. I do something little, something big, something for yourself. Sometimes it's just taking extra time in a hot shower with music on, right? It's that simple. It doesn't have to take money 
or a particular amount of time, something simple for you. Feed your soul. Be intentional about it. Choose joy. Choose it. Number three in the sanity checklist. Do something for the people closest to you. Something for the people closest to you. Maybe this is your family, lives in the same household, your spouse, your kids. Maybe it's uh, people you work with, right? People you see every day. Your mother and father, even if they're not in your household, maybe maybe it's someone like that, but it's the people closest to you, your inner circle. Do something for them. And this one is because we acknowledge that our behavior and our attitudes do have an effect on others. We can change a whole mood and culture in our household. We can have an effect on it. Not only are we choosing joy for ourselves, but we're choosing it for the people around us. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. In the sermon notes today, there's all kind of ideas for married couples, ideas for dates during COVID, right? Some creative things that you can do for each other, with each other. There's even ideas on there to keep kids busy and happy while being isolated and in the house more than ever. (laughs) Find something, some small way, a big way to serve the people in your immediate family, in in your household, people closest to you. Number four is do something for others. I know these two seem similar, but four is more about outside your household, outside your immediate circle. And this one is because we acknowledge that we can make a difference in the lives of people outside our household too, even in 2020, even in this season. We can make a difference. might be harder than ever, but it's possible and it's important. Hebrews 10 Verse 23 to 25 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. As in the habit of some, this is just a little bit of a different version from what we read earlier. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need it more than ever. There's an article in the sermon notes as well about reaching out even in the pandemic, if you need some ideas, right? Maybe you're making a batch of cookies and dropping them off on doorsteps. Maybe you're sending extra Christmas cards this year to reach out. Maybe you're just giving somebody a call, having a conversation, really asking, how are you doing? Maybe scheduling a FaceTime call with your kids and somebody else's. Maybe they can play Pictionary on FaceTime. Maybe it's... um, Taking a meal to somebody in quarantine. There's so many ways we can reach out right now, and they don't all cost money, and they don't all take a lot of time. We need each other to check in on each other right now. Now, people are the why. It's why we do what we do. It's not necessarily about what happens in this room and on this stage, and when we're all gathered together in this room, being the church is so much bigger than that. It's about people, your relationship with God and your relationship with people. Jesus said those are the two most important things of all the law and the prophets. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Don't let isolation let you forget. Be intentional. Reach out. 
Use the checklist. Do something for others every day, and I promise you it will make a difference for you too. It gets our eyes off of us, onto God, onto others, and it reminds us that we can choose joy for ourselves. What we're doing here is training ourselves to remember the why. That's what the checklist is designed for. That, that was ultimately the Grinch's main complaint in that story. Right? They, they went through the motions, but they didn't actually care, or they wouldn't treat me like that. Right? And it was the who's main issue. The Grinch threw out the why because the what was so messed up. And the who's forgot their why in the first place and just focused on the what. Neither is healthy. We can't give up caring for people in this time. It's not good for you, and it's not good for them. It may not be easy, but we weren't promised easy. The Christmas spirit should be something that infects us every day. It should be the Christmas, the Christian. I keep getting those two mixed up. The Christmas spirit should be the Christian spirit every day. More generosity than ever. Right? Leaning into community more than ever. We need each other. Not just December days, but every day. We need community. God has placed us in community, in families. He didn't put us here alone because we need each other and we need him. We get to be a part of the solution. Forgiving each other, leaning on each other, being there for each other. Our gifts, our things should be an addition to that, a tool for that, not a manipulation of it. And the beauty of this movie, The Grinch, is that it wasn't just The Grinch who was changed. The who's changed too. It wasn't just the Christmas villain that changed his whole mindset and attitude. Everyone else changed too. In the end, they were all able to come together and share their lives. The Grinch decided isolation wasn't the answer. And the Who's decided real sacrificial love is better than just pretending. Let's watch the ending. See how they come to this conclusion. I'm glad he took our presents. I, well, I, I'm glad. He's glad. You're glad. You're glad everything is, is gone. <laughs> You're glad that the Grinch virtually wrecked, no, 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 not wrecked, pulverized Christmas. Is that what I'm hearing from you, Lou? You can't hurt Christmas, Mr. Mayor, because it isn't about the, the gifts or the contests or the fancy lights. That, that's what Cindy's been trying to tell everyone. And me. She's been trying to tell me. What is wrong with you? This is a child. She's my child. And she happens to be right, by the way. I don't need anything more for Christmas than this right here. My family. 
Merry Christmas, everybody! people come together like that sharing their lives not just things actually seeing each other and not just rushing around we've had opportunities like that this year like never before we don't always see them the early church I think would actually be somewhat ashamed of us for only doing this on Sundays they actually gathered together in their homes daily. Acts 2, 42, talks about the community of believers. It says every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teaching of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe wept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were, who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. Daily, they met together. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. I don't know about you, but that sounds like the sanity checklist to me. Focusing on God, choosing joy, focusing on others, deeply caring about one another. That's how we get through this together. 
That's how we become an actual community. Focusing on God, choosing joy, and focusing on each other. The beauty of this movie is that Jesus doesn't just have something to say to the evil villains, the Grinches who live in isolation and anger. There's something to say to the who's too. We all need to change and come together, focusing on the people and the why behind it. We give because he gave to us first. He gave first. Everything we have in this life is a gift from him. Every good and perfect thing, the Bible says, every good and perfect thing comes from above. I don't have all that much to complain about, not even in 2020. I'm just going to thank God, give out of my abundance, and trust him with the rest. Father, help us do that this year. Help us be overly generous, giving more than just the bare minimum, going above and beyond. Help us choose joy, real Jesus joy, not just in December, but every day of the year. Help us instruct our hearts to choose it. And help us reach out to others. Help us build a real community around ourselves. Deeply caring about one another. Not just pretending to love each other, but actually loving each other. Pray that your spirit of generosity and kindness would spread throughout our church like never before. We would reach out to each other love each other genuinely work hard at being the solution not contributing to the complaining and the problem and God today we pray for those who are lost in darkness succumbing to the fear and the depression and the anxiety it's all too real And it's really hard to see your way out. But God, we just ask that you would meet those of us in that place. You would turn on the light for us. We'd be able to see you, feel your presence like never before. That's why Jesus came after all. To be the light in the darkness. To be the hope in a world that's shouting, screaming, overwhelming fear and anxiety at us. Jesus is our anchor, our our hope, our peace in that storm. Choose him today. That's literally all you have to do. That, That was the point of the beginning of this passage. He came to override, to fulfill all of the law. There's no more hoops to jump through. There's just Jesus. He's a gift. And all you have to do is accept it. Today, maybe that's you. You feel a little lost, hopeless, angry. Today, you want to choose Jesus. I choose the hope of a brand new life, a fresh start. He wants to give you that today. 
infuse you with the Christmas spirit, not just today, but all year, every year. Choose him. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to let you be the Lord, the boss of my life. I'm going to choose your way. I'm going to lay down my life for others like you did. I'm going to follow you to that cross and allow you to change me from the inside out, to give me a fresh start, peace overflowing, joy everlasting, hope for the future. Choose that today. It's a very simple prayer. You can text the number on the screen, and I would love to walk you through it, help you through it, and give you some resources to help with that decision as well. Freedom Alley, let's build community. Not just relying on the pastors and the the leaders to do it, not just complaining about the decisions of all of the leaders in our world right now, but wherever we find ourselves, let's make that place better than we found it. Giving into it, speaking into other people, giving the gift of hope, joy, compassion, showing people that we actually care. We're not just pretending to care at Christmas. We love them enough to see it through. That's my prayer for us this Christmas season, that we would feel that Christmas spirit. Let's do that together this year. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. Take some time today to, to think of how you're going to share that Jesus joy, spread the Christmas spirit, that community. I think that would be a great step. As a matter of fact, if you're a part of the Freedom Valley Church prayer group, um, we've been spending Sunday afternoons talking together, just, just like a social hour. We've had some funny conversations on that group following Sunday afternoon. Maybe check that out. That's a great place to interact and have some fun this afternoon, as well as checking out the FV Church uh, Christmas opportunities, our, our holiday events. So go to the fv.church forward slash events page to find out all of our Christmas Eve gathering opportunities. Uh, make your plans for this holiday season to celebrate our Savior in the best way possible while not isolating spiritually, while not separating in those ways, but reaching out to one another and continuing to find creative ways to be the body of Christ. I'm so proud of you as a church for staying together, staying connected, and growing in God. What an amazing thing you're doing, and thank you for being a part of our service here this morning. Uh, We'll see you online next week, and we'll stay interacting. In the meantime, it has been great to worship with you. Have a great day.